Joe is an endorsed privately practicing midwife supporting women and their families who primarily choose, choose to give birth at home. She works in Sydney and its surrounds. Joe has visiting rights at Westmead Hospital, enabling her to provide midwifery care in collaboration with a private obstetrician for women who choose to give birth in hospital with their own midwife. Joe recently completed an honours research project through the Western Sydney University called the experience of privately practising midwives who have been reported to the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency, or ARPRA, which you were presenting on today. Thank you. Okay, thanks everyone. So before I get into the research, um, that I, that I, the findings of the research, I thought it's probably a good idea just to talk about what a private, privately practising midwife is and how we work um, and sort of set the landscape in um, Australian culture. So uh, private midwives are self-employed, they're not employed by a health service at all um, and they're employed by, directly by women, um, so the women pay them. Um, we offer continuity of midwifery care across the whole scope of midwifery practice, so we start seeing women early in pregnancy, um, we're obviously there for their labour and birth and then we see them until six weeks postnatal. Um, in order to be a privately practising midwife now, it wasn't like this earlier, but in the last um, five years, it's been that you, you have to have three years post-grad experience or have worked across the full scope of midwifery practice for 5,000 hours over a six-year period. Um, you also have to have completed a pharmacology and prescribing course. It's a post-grad course. Um, and then when you, once you've done that course, then you can apply for endorsement, which means um, we can schedule, we can um, prescribe scheduled medicines that are related to midwifery and we can offer referrals for pathology and um, ultrasounds. Uh, we also have, um, can apply for a Medicare provider number, um, which means that women can claim a small part of their antenatal and postnatal care on Medicare. They, their birth at home isn't covered at all. So what happened um, in 2001, midwives, private midwives lost their pro uh, professional indemnity insurance um, and they just continued to work without it. Um, and it wasn't because there was a big case or, or a claim or anything like that, it was because there was such a small pool of midwives working across Australia in this way and it just wasn't a financially viable option for an insurance company to take on. Is that really... It's okay. Um, so then what happened in 2010 with national registration and, the, and APRA being set up was that every health professional needed to have professional indemnity insurance in order to register. And this obviously presented a, a huge problem for privately practising midwives because there was no insurance available. So what we did at the time, I was the national convener of Home Birth Australia and with other um, organisations and many other people, we organised a huge rally down at Canberra. Um, 3,000 women and men showed up to, in support and as a result of that rally the law was amended and we were given an exemption from needing insurance for intrapartum care. So we have it for antenatal and postnatal but we, we're exempt from needing to have it for intrapartum care. We were given that exemption for three years. That it then ex After three years they still couldn't find a solution so they extended it for another three years to 2016. 
still another solution wasn't um, found. So now they've extended it to 2019 and we don't know what's going to happen at the end of 2019 if they haven't found a solution, whether they'll give us another um, extension of the exemption or not, we're not sure. So in order to be eligible for the, um, for the exemption, there's a whole heap of regulation and guidelines and rules that we need to abide by. Um, we also need to do twice as many CPD points as midwives that work in the system. So we have to do 40 CPD points a year and 10 of them need to be around prescribing and pharmacology. Um, just trying to think if there's anything else. So probably the main document, the most important document that we have to follow to be eligible for the exemption is the safety and quality guidelines for privately practicing midwives. Um, and within this document, this, this changes like every six months it seems, more things added to it. And so we, you've re we've really got to keep abreast of what's happening. Um, so the first thing that we need to do is obtain the woman's informed consent. Um, so this is around, which she needs to understand that we don't have intrapartum um, insurance and so she needs to sign a document stating that she knows that and this all has to be documented in our notes. Um, she also has to sign a, a, a document saying that she understands the risks of home birth, um, which is an interesting one given that the evidence shows us that there is no f further risk for women who are low risk. Um, and, you know, in hospital, low-risk women don't need to sign to say they understand the risks of hospital birth. Um, we do need to also do a risk assessment on women, so looking at their um, identifying risks and looking at their, their history, um, how their pregnancy is going. Um, we use the College of Guidelines uh, referral and consultation guidelines, sorry, the College of Midwives. Um, and we also need to take into consideration the distance from hospital and also access to the house if, you know, paramedics need to come, if, if there's any issues, you know, if they're on a fourth floor of a flat or something like that. And this all needs to still be documented in the notes as well. Um, something that's been added since 2017 is that we now need to have two registered health professionals at every home birth. Um, whilst this is a good thing in city areas, it's presenting a real problem for rural and remote midwives and women wanting to have home births because often in many of those areas there's only one midwife offering the service. Um, and I can't, you know, even though it says health professionals, and the health professional needs to have, um, be up to date with neonatal and maternal resource. Um, what hasn't, they haven't really thought about in that is that, so basically it could be a nurse or a paramedic, it could be the second health professional in attendance, but what they haven't really thought about is that midwives are the only health practitioners who have been given an exemption from needing insurance to attend a home birth. So if a paramedic or, or a nurse did attend, I'm not sure where we stand with that. So, and I'm not sure that many women would really want to have a paramedic at their birth either. Referral pathways, so, you know, clearly documented referral pathways when women require, you know, consultation or referral with paediatricians or obstetricians. Collaborative arrangements need to be in place. So you can either have a collaborative arrangement with a private obstetrician or um, another form of collaboration is with the woman's GP and she, they can give you a referral to her, a referral to you, so that she, that she can claim Medicare. What we're seeing is lots of women having real issues getting GP, uh, GP referrals. Um, I don't think they really understand that they don't have to attend the home birth or are really involved at all apart from giving the referral and, you know, obviously we share information with the GP but, yeah, um, women are sort of doctor hopping a lot to try and get a referral which is not an ideal situation.
Um, so submissions of reports and data, so things like the perinatal data collection and you know, births, deaths and marriages. Clinical audit, so this is a new one as well, brought in last year. Every home birth midwife in Australia was audited by the Nursing and Midwifery Board of Australia. Um, we had to prove all of these things, that we've had all of this in our documentation. Um, it was a comprehensive clinical note audit. Um, and the extent of this audit is beyond anything any other group of health professionals registered with APRA have had to fulfil. Um, appropriate documented documentation for adverse outcome management and also um, and, oh, annual competencies like all midwives need to do and the private practice midwives portfolio. So this is basically midwifery practice review. So reviewing your practice and we have to prove that we have to do that every three years. So Australian private midwives are held to and maintain the highest professional standards expected of any midwife in the country. Although private midwives form a very small part of the midwifery workforce in Australia, they are highly regulated and their practice is under intense scrutiny. It's a funda fundamental philosophy of private midwifery practice to support individual women who take responsibility for their pregnancy and birth. On occasions, this means supporting the informed choices of their clients who may choose care that falls outside clinical guidelines. This puts private midwives in a vulnerable professional position and may be con a contributing factor to the significant number of private midwives who've been reported to APRA. It's really hard to get the data on that. Um, we don't have actual data on it, but anecdotally, it's about half of all private midwives in Australia have had a report made against them. So the evidence on home birth is clear. There's a rich body of scientific evidence that supports the safety of planned home birth for low-risk women when attended by registered midwives. Regardless of this, home birth is still not a common choice for Australian women, with only 0.3% of all births taking place at home. We know anecdotally that there's been an increase of reporting of private midwives to APRA since national registration. So to the research. So basically, um, when I was the convener of Home Birth Australia, I often got lots of emails from midwives wanting support um, after they'd been reported. Um, being a private midwife myself, I've supported several colleagues through an investigation, and I myself have been reported and investigated. Um, so this led me to wanting, wanting to have a look at what, what's going on. Um, so I did an honours research. Um, I just want to acknowledge my supervisors, Hannah Darlin and Kathleen Dixon. Um, and I did it on the experiences of privately practising midwives in Australia who have been reported to APRA. So the aim of the research was to look at their experiences and the objectives was to understand the reasons why private midwives who attend home births are being reported and how this impacts them personally and professionally. To explore private midwives' thoughts on what would help to support them through the process of investigation and to give voice to midwives who may feel silenced and marginalised. The methods, um, the, the study was, was utilised, sorry, the study utilised a qualitative research design. Data collection and analysis took place using individual semi-structured in-depth interviews with private midwives in Australia. Thematic analysis was used to analyse the data. A feminist theoretical framework was used to guide research. Inclusion criteria was private midwives in Australia who'd been reported within the last five years, and the participants were recruited through home birth specific social media networks and web pages using a snowball effect. 17 midwives answered the advertisement for the research participants. 
Eight participants were recruited and interviewed. Interviews ceased at eight as saturation occurred. I wasn't getting any new information, so we didn't need to keep going. All of the research participants were women. The participants were aged between 38 and 52 years of age. Four of the participants had been working in private practice under five years, one under 10 years, two under 15 years, and one over 15 years. Of the eight participants, four remained in private practice and three had ceased private practice. This is where it gets a bit depressing. So a, re a review of the literature showed that there was a big um, gap in the literature around midwives' experiences of home birth. Um, most of the literature around home birth is women's experiences and outcomes. Uh, so midwives' experiences of caring for women choosing home birth is largely unexamined. The findings show that all the reports made to APRA about the uh, private midwives interviewed occurred when midwives supported women who were choosing care that was considered outside recommended guidelines. Six of the eight reports were made against midwives who had supported a woman who chose a home birth after a previous caesarean section, and two of the reports were made against midwives assisting women with a baby in a breech presentation. In one case, the breech baby was planned to be at home, while the other was an undiagnosed breech. All reports were made when the midwives transferred women to hospital for additional care. So the overarching theme that emerged through the thematic analysis was that midwives were feeling caught between women and the system. Australian private midwives who offer home birth services must carefully balance the needs and wishes of the women in their care with the requirements of regulation and registration. Occasionally midwives find themselves in a vulnerable professional position when they support women's birthing autonomy and informed choice. This can leave midwives feeling like they were caught between women and the system. Six themes emerged underneath that. The suppression of midwifery, a flawed system, lack of support, devastation on so many levels, making changes in the aftermath, and walking a tightrope forever. So this theme describes the midwives' feelings regarding the medical domination of midwifery. Many of the midwives in this study felt that in recent times private midwifery practice only exists with the permission of the medical establishment and that medical dom medicine dominates and holds power over maternity care and midwifery. Some of the quotes from the midwives themselves was, it's a witch hunt. It's guilty until proven innocent. It's an attack against midwives. It was just purely political, I know it was. The doctor that reported me had said, and I heard her say this, you get rid of the midwives and the women have to come to the hospital. It's that insidious sort of power play that these people do. A flawed system. So this, this um, theme highlights the midwives' feelings about the processes involved regarding those who are reporting and the methods of investigation. When asked about the process of investigation, all midwives commented on the system being flawed in one way or another, with the midwives describing the process as impersonal and lacking in communication. I had no face-to-face -face contact, didn't speak to anyone on the phone, didn't attend anything. There was very little contact, there was very little correspondence, there was not, no one updating me on where things were at and what was happening. Oops. One midwife described the process as being intimidating. APRA turned up on my doorstep, the letter in their hand, hand delivering it, with the taxi out the front, running. The midwives highlighted the fact that they did not receive an apology or feedback when the investigation found that the midwife was not at fault. 
All I got was a letter. They didn't even say sorry for the last two years. It's like, well, there's nothing to answer to. I didn't get a congratulations, you're innocent, you're a stellar midwife. I got, there's no case to answer. No shit, there's no case to answer. The midwives discussed the distinct lack of understanding from the regulators about how private midwives practice and the importance of relationship-based care. One midwife discussed how the APRA representative who had turned up on her doorstep could simply not understand that the midwife and woman had maintained a relationship. I'm like, yes, I've got a relationship with her and this is going to hurt her. This is what makes it unsafe, this sort of thing. Being reported for this, when we did everything we could, we managed it, it was appropriate and timely. The guy was saying, oh, she's still talking to you? Well, yes, she's still talking to me. No one's done anything wrong. Lack of support. This theme um, represents how many of the midwives felt whilst going through the investigation process. Seven of the participants revealed that they felt unsupported throughout the process of investigation, whether that was professionally, practically or emotionally. The majority found most of the supporting colleagues and others who'd been through it themselves and felt disheartened about the distinct lack of support from professional organisations. It was suggested that the Australian College of Midwives could be more supportive. One participant said, the college should do more, absolutely should do way, way more than what they're doing because there are so many of us out here struggling and the support from their insurance company was limited. Marga rang me and said, I'm really sorry, but because this is a home birth, we can't support you any further in this case. We'll give you the support with your solicitor until the response is finished. And then if it goes further to a hearing or anything, we'll have to withdraw our support. None of the midwives suggested that they were against regulation or against an incident being, being investigated. However, most of them thought the level at which the investigations occurred were excessive. I guess in a hospital setting when um, there's an incident, you know, an IMSS is put in and it can be handled within the hospital setting if it's something small, whereas there isn't, a, there isn't something like that for private midwives. Um, some of the midwives suggested the need for an in-between point for private midwives, with many commenting on the fact that the smallest of incidents are being investigated at a very high level. If they actually had somebody that could actually go through these reports before they got to the HCCC or APRA, that's got, there's got to be something in the middle. Another midwife said, um, nearly every single one goes really high and it doesn't need to. It's a waste of taxpayers' money to start with. Really, they should consult ACM or a subcommittee of ACM that actually have a clue. There's no governance, governance that intercepts and does an assessment without it getting all the way to the top. I know the New Zealand College of Midwives will act as that for their privately practising midwives in New Zealand. So they're the first port of investigation and they decide whether something needs to go further or not. Devastation on so many levels. So this theme articulates the challenges faced by the midwives and explores their feelings of shame, guilt, anxiety and depression, their loss of confidence and the far-reaching impact of the investigation process. When asked how, how being reported and investigated had affected their well-being, every midwife talked at length about how distressing the process was and how it was devastating on so many levels. The devastation included feelings of fear and being scared of being reported all the time and fear of what it would mean for the future. I was sobbing like someone had died. It was absolutely, I was just distraught. I couldn't even speak, I was heartbroken. 
I'm finding it's affecting me to the point that I don't know that I can go on. When you're in that sort of anxious state all the time, you can't pay attention to anything. I don't know how many more times I could go through this and be okay because it's just consuming every part of my day. Very concerning are the comments that were made about post-traumatic stress disorder and feelings of wanting to end it all. One midwife said, I walked out of the hospital with PTSD from the hospital because the next day when I went back, I had a panic attack walking into the hospital. There was a security guard there and I thought they were there for me. At the time, I remember once catching a train to a hearing and thinking, I could take three steps forward and this would be over. Several midwives discuss their fears around losing the work that they love and needing to find a new profession. I go through those real panic days, sometimes going, what will, be, what will I be if I'm not a midwife anymore? It affects me, it affects my sleep. Oops. It's something that I love so, so much. And then to feel like I need to get out, but not, ha not have a way. I don't know how I could. I don't know anything else I could do. So making changes in the aftermath. This one explores the midwife's feelings and actions once the investigation was complete and what this meant for them personally and professionally. The midwives talked about making changes to their practice and in some cases their careers after being reported. These changes and responses were quite different for different midwives and they described a range of reactions. The midwives seemed to either fight on or give up. One midwife who is no longer practicing believes she was forced into the decision by the regulators. I just gave up because, it's not because I'm not going to win. I just said I was guilty of everything. They were petty little things and I went, you know what, just, I'm guilty. I don't care because in the end of the day, you're going to find me guilty anyway. It's going to cost me a shitload of money and I can't do this anymore. Another midwife had a similar response, however, is still practicing. I actually thought, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. If this is the way it's going to be, that every time you take on a woman with in, in complexities, some fuckwit's going to put in a complaint, I'm like, forget it. Conversely, other midwives discussed their determination to fight on and how important it was for the women in their care. I don't care anymore, to be honest. I'm just, I know I'm going to get reported, you know. I'm doomed if I do, I'm doomed if I do and I'm doomed if I don't. So I just think, I don't necessarily book a woman whether she's a VBAC or not. I book a woman because she's a woman and she wants the care that I can provide. Another midwife described the responses and attitudes of women in her care, that the responses and attitudes of the women in her care, care assisted her to continue to fight on. You know, the women were amazing. All they wanted to do was to be able to give birth with their chosen care provider. So I just continued. They know how passionate I am, so they support me to keep fighting because it's me, it's who I am. I can't stop because it's not just a qualification to me. It's who I am as a person. I actually thought if I lose my registration because I've done something that I think is morally and ethically right, the right thing to do, then it's not worth the piece of paper it's written on. Walking a tightrope forever. The data analysis revealed that midwives felt that the current political climate around private practice is such that once they've been reported, it will remain a cloud over them forever. One midwife said it was ended with an ending comment to let me know that this was case number one. And if I came back to them again, that would be case number two and case number one would be reopened. It was a threat. I remember as I was leaving, one of them said to me, she sort of patted the file and said, 
Now this is going down into a deep, dark basement somewhere and it will only see the light of day again if you, if you get another complaint. The midwives recognised that the current political climate and the increase in reporting is resulting in a loss of choice for women and subsequently many of the participants believe the free birth rate in Australia is rising. So free birth is um, when a woman births at home alone without any medical assistance or midwives in attendance. And we know, not just anecdotally, there is research showing now that, that the free birth rate is rising. The women are between a rock and a hard place. Now the problem is, I think a lot more women are free birthing because the midwife won't support them because they're scared. It's, a, it's hard enough being on call and looking after women. It's not, like, it's not like it's an easy gig. We're not doing it for power or money or control. We're doing it because we care and because we're good at it. If you put, put this sort of pressure on us, we're going to step back and these women are going to do it on their own. So <clears throat> the core of midwifery philosophy is being with women, yet it appears that guidelines often don't take into consideration individual women's needs and their, and their right to self-determination, which can compromise professional autonomy. It's becoming increasingly difficult for private midwives to support the wishes and needs of individual women and also meet the requirements of the increasingly risk-averse risk-averse health service. Several studies have found that women who plan free birth or home birth with an unregulated birth worker do so not only due to the increased cost and lack of access to midwives, but also because of the increased regulation and increased restrictions placed on midwives, midwives practice. In this study, none of the private midwives were reported by the women for who they were providing care. All reports were made by health care providers, midwives, doctors and managers, and occurred when the private midwife transferred women to hospital for additional care. Women have the right to bodily autonomy and the right to refuse care. Yet for private midwives in this study, and the women they cared for, were not supported by a system where a significant gap exists between ethical and clinical guidelines. These findings reflect current literature which suggests that midwives are being reported for supporting women's choices and preferences when they're not in alignment with what is considered safe by professional guidelines. The definition of safety is always related to physical outcomes. Yet for women, emotional, psychological, cultural and spiritual safety are also important considerations. Providing woman-centred care by respecting a woman's right to informed choice, her right of refusal, and her right to bodily autonomy are basic human rights that's, that are enshrined in legislation and midwifery philosophy. Legislative and regulatory frameworks continue to support and protect medical interests by way of state-initiated policy and law. This is reflected in the fact that Medicare rebates are principally limited to medical treatments. Whilst Medicare provider numbers were introduced for private midwives in 2010, it's a requirement for private midwives to collaborate with a doctor to provide those Medicare rebatable services. This suggests that women need the approval of a doctor to access midwifery care, rather than midwifery care being seen as primary care and less obstetric consultation and referrals necessary. Furthermore, despite strong lobbying from consumer and midwifery groups, the government took advice from the AMA and RANSCOG, who both oppose home birth and, le and elected not to include home birth in Medicare rebateable services. 
As previously discussed, in Australia, the views of the medical establishment impact the regulation of private midwives. The AMA advocated very strongly for collaboration with a medical practitioner to be mandated as part of the government's reforms. Whilst it's mandated for private midwives to collaborate with doctors, it's not mandated for doctors to reciprocate. In fact, they don't have to collaborate at all if they don't wish to. The AMA's document to guide its members on collaborative arrangements actually states, if you do not want to be part of a collaborative arrangement or you are unable to reach agreement on the appropriate terms of a collaborative arrangement, then there is no obligation to be part of one. This places, places midwives in a position of being powerless and dependent on obstetricians and doctors to enable them to practice. Participants in the study raised concerns over the increase in numbers of women choosing to free birth and frustrations over feeling like they can no longer provide some women with the type of care that they desire. The principal underlying regulation is one of protecting the safety of the public. Yet in the case of private midwives, regulation has had the opposite effect. Rather than protecting the public, regulation has resulted in reduced options for women, leading to more women deciding to take the higher risk, higher risk option of, home birth, of free birth. At best, this is disregarding the needs of women and their basic human rights, and at worst, it's endangering the lives of women and their babies. There needs to be a balance between respecting and supporting the rights of childbearing women and private practice midwives' accountability to um, professional standards. The research findings from this study show that midwives believe they are not being judged by their peers. They are mostly judged by nurses, midwives and consumers who have never worked or given birth within the private midwifery model of care and therefore do not understand the intricacies of private midwifery practice. The regulators expect midwives to practice in the same way that midwives in the system practice but without the immediate support, equipment, facilities and assistance that are available to midwives who work in the system. Why is it the private midwives are expected to adhere to the standards of a system that do not, they, they do not work within and a system that largely shuns home birth? Private midwives must develop and maintain a wide range of midwifery skills to enable them to work without the availability of technology and drugs. They are more familiar with making decisions personalised to individual circumstances that facilitate women's embodied experiences as a birth rather than the blanket policy approach of the medical model. Due to their close relationships with women throughout the continuum of care and often over the course of several pregnancies, private midwives take an individualised approach, approach to care which does not fit well within the standardised or one-size-fits-all approach. Midwives who work autonomously, as private midwives do, may be seen as a threat to the system. So some possible strategies. Um, introducing a duty of care for all midwives. This exists in the UK. Um, it's a duty of care that basically says that um, if a woman, you, you can't leave a woman. So if she's, uh, you know, birthing a breech baby, whatever she's doing, the midwife cannot leave. She has to stay with them. Whereas in Australia, we can just say, wash our hands of it, we're off. And actually, that's seen as a good thing by the regulators. Um, so as suggested by the midwives interviewed, um, this may help protect midwives from being reported and protect women's autonomy and informed choice when they choose a, a, a when their ch choice of care is considered outside recommended guidelines. Giving the Australian College of Midwives st statutory powers and making it mandatory for every midwife to be a member of the college as part of their registration requirements. This happens in New Zealand, and this would create a solid midwifery organisation and a foundation for a strong midwifery voice when it comes to lobbying and advocacy. 
Currently, with all regulatory matters sitting with the Nursing and Midwifery Board, midwives are disadvantaged when the board is dominated by nurses. The creation of a separate midwifery board where midwives are governed and regulated by their peers would assist with appropriate investigations. Finding a solution to the lack of professional indemnity insurance for privately practicing midwives attending home births would assist with professional support. The government could provide further professional support to private midwives by way of including Medicare funding for home birth as part of the Medicare rebatable, rebates available for women choosing care with a private midwife. So to conclude, uh, the, increasing number, uh, the increasing numbers of private midwives being reported may be resulting in more midwives ceasing clinical practice. At the same time, there is a concerning increase in the number of women choosing to free birth. This is alarming and highlights the, continu the continued protection of the medical interest and dominance and the patriarchal power and control over women and midwifery. Women have the right to make their own informed choices, the right to bodily autonomy, and the right to give, decline, or withdraw consent. Midwives should be able to support these rights without the risks of persecution. Thank you.